All right. We'll go ahead and uh, make it to your seats. We're going to go ahead and get started. We've got a, uh, a fun night planned for you here. Um, those of you who don't know what we're uh, going to be doing, we're going to be interviewing our lead pastors, Tony and Melissa Herring. Uh, my name is Joe Matthews. I serve as the executive pastor here and just came on staff, actually, and uh, nothing says welcome to the team like grill your bosses uh, as your first assignment. So i got to be honest with you, everyone wants me to uh, really you know, put the heat on for you guys, and so I tried to watch as much Fox News and CNN over the last two days to figure out really how to make it uncomfortable in the interview. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things for you. Um, one of the things you'll see on the slides here on the screen as we're going is um, a call for questions. And so what we're going to be doing starting now and all the way through this time next weekend is we're asking you for questions. Um, we're going to be getting into a series about the family, and so we have a website. Uh, you literally go on your phone or your computer, type in that uh, URL in the browser, and it allows you, when you hit the green button, to ask questions. And so any question you want to ask as it pertains for Tony and Melissa to answer related to family, marriage, parenting, uh, the submissions are anonymous. And so one of the cool features with that, you can vote for questions. So say you see something in there that looks appealing to you or you want to know an answer to it, you can kind of boost it up higher in the ranks. And so from now until next week, we're going to be uh, collecting questions. And these questions are going to inform the teaching series that we have throughout the rest of the year. Tony and Melissa will specifically um, address some of these questions in the sermons. We also have a couple's encounter uh, coming up in November where we're going to have some extended time to go over some of these questions. And so it's just a fun and um, you know, new way to engage, and we really want to know what's on your heart and your mind. And so with that, we're going to uh, dive into an interview with Tony and Melissa. Um, so if you've been with us for any length of time in 2020, you know uh, the, the prophetic word for the year is eyes wide open. Um, we've had a great number of different topics that Tony and Melissa have preached on. Um, we've done everything from starting the year about learning how to be a true worshiper. Um, we've looked over uh, spiritual warfare and the supernatural. We had some teaching over the summer on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we even just finished up now the seven feasts. And so, um, Tony, I'm going to ask you specifically, what is it about this series, this content, this time uh, that really wanted, uh, made you want to end the year this way? Uh, yeah, you know, let me just say, too, um, I want to add Marvin's name in there to the, to the teaching because I know he has he shared um, a few different messages over this past year that have been fantastic as well, and any of those can be. Um, watched or listen on the website. But as far as kind of ending the year with this idea of the fight for the family, open our eyes to the fight for the family, I think the biggest thing is the most obvious thing, and that is that the enemy is after the family. Can I get an amen in the house? We know that. Um, think about one of the most familiar places in Scripture that talks about uh, like marriage, husbands and wives. It's Ephesians 5. When, when Paul talks about um, husbands loving their wives and wives uh, honoring and respecting their husbands and those things. And then, and then it um, moves into chapter 6 by talking about um, children and how to um, honor them even in the family relationship. But think about the very next thing that it says. It's where it says, finally, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10, and in the strength of his might. And it says, put on the full armor of God so that we can be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then it says, when we've done everything we can to stand firm, stand firm then. And then it goes into what we know is the, the armor of God. So even right after he talks about um, the family, husbands, wives, children, encouraging and the strengthening of a family, the next thing he mentions is we need to be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. So that's the, that's the obvious one. That's something that should be on our radar all the time. But I think also in this unique season of history, COVID has exposed <laughs> and maybe even amplified. Um, what, I, I, what I'm going to say is the anemic condition of the family. And I wrote this down because I, I wanted to play off that, the anemic condition of the family. Everybody knows what anemia is. Anemia is a condition in which you lack enough healthy red blood cells to carry adequate oxygen to your body's tissue. Having anemia can make you feel 
tired and weak. And that's where a lot of families are at. Tired and weak and um, just without the ability to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. So this season with COVID is, is one of the things that's it's, um, reminding me again. But also, um, the, the more, and, and I hope you can understand what I'm saying. I'm not predicting or prophesying anything, but I am thinking the more turbulent and undependable our society becomes, the more peaceful and dependable our families need to be. We look to a lot of things in the world for our joy and our happiness and our fulfillment and all, you know, whatever. Uh, we put our trust in a lot of things, but I think we're going to see um, our ability to trust in those things diminish if we haven't already. Amen. And where do we go? Where are we supposed to turn when all that stuff that we've looked to for so many years goes away or changes drastically? What we're going to have left is our husbands and our wives and our kids and our family. And not just our, our family and our homes, but our church family, our biblical community. And so um, that's something that's also been on my radar um, while we want to focus on that. And, um, and I, I was already having that in my mind. And man, just the Lord started confirming that. With, it seemed like everywhere I looked, there was something about this, about strengthening the family, fighting for the family. Um, one day, Melissa and I, and it was already churning in my head, what are we going to talk about next? And this was on my heart. One day, Melissa and I were, were hanging out, and, and I think we were on a walk, and we always talk. And uh, she just start, starts talking about the things that are on her heart, and it's all this stuff. And I was just like, and she's like, so I, I don't know. I just think we should do something about the family. I was like, well, actually, <laughs> that's what's on my heart. So the Lord has confirmed over and over and over um, that that's really what we need to uh, focus in on, zero in on in this yeah. next season. That's good. That's such a timely and now word. And just the idea of the fight for the family, I'm just excited to, to dive into that content. Um, this past week, we had our overseeing elders with us. They were uh, Nicholas Meister and Susan and Eric Hewlett. Um, and, and they, while they were with us, they affirmed just the health and the function uh, of a healthy government and like we have here at SOMA. And we spent a lot of time talking about church government and family. Um, and I want to encourage you to, to go back and listen to or watch those sermons on the website, podcast, YouTube. However, um, if you haven't had a chance to do that, because it really lays a lot of foundation that speaks into this transition for family. And uh, Susan actually gave a word that was just so, um, just particularly great. Um, and, and Melissa, would you be able just to expand on um, just how good it was, the significance of it, what it meant for you, for this body? Yeah, for those of you guys who weren't here um, and maybe don't know, um, Pastor Eric and Susan are two of our um, overseeing elders as part of our church government, our healthy church government. And we've known them for a long time, and they were actually our pastors um, when we were in Dallas. We were college kids, and honestly, it was at one of the most um, broken places of our lives that they became our pastors, that we found them, <laughs> is what it felt like. Um, so they've been incredibly instrumental over the years in our marriage, but not just in our marriage, but in our ministry. Um, we knew them before we had kids, so it's cool for to journey through life with people who knew you before, you know, and after, <laughs> you know, and during kids. Um, and so it was incredibly humbling and honoring for her to she basically what she said was she she was just commending the health and the function of our church and. Um, you know, we always hear dysfunctional so much, you know, like it's just so dysfunctional. It's so dysfunctional. Things are so dysfunctional. So when you have people who you love and respect that have been so influential in your life that have seen you literally at your worst, you know, years and years later say, commend you guys for being, being um, functional and being healthy. It really humbled me. Um, but also it, it was so honoring because I knew what they didn't know was that we were about to lead into this series that we're starting tonight about fight for the family and how important that it is. You know, Tony mentioned in the godly government sermon a few weeks ago, which again, go back and listen to that, that even families have a government and, um, and, and it is, and it really matters and it affects the way the function of your home. The, and you know, it's not like we're all politicians and I don't, you know, we're not campaigning on either sides in your home, but there is a government in your home. So for her to say, um, you know, that, that we're functional and healthy and that it's streaming down. And of course, she's commending the men that are serving in these roles, um, in these positions. 
um, it was just an encouragement, honestly, that it's a, it's a good commendation. I don't know, you know, when you know that you've been working hard and someone just stops and says, hey, good job. It feels good, doesn't it, for someone to affirm the hard work that you've been doing. And so from that level, and for me personally, from a couple that we have looked to literally for 23 years of our marriage, it was pretty significant. And I felt like it was a significant word for Soma in this season for fighting for the family. It's like, I think we all want health. We all want function. And you know, you have to fight for that. Um, you, that doesn't just happen. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that doesn't just happen. You know, like you, you, you have to sort of prioritize and be intentional and make these things happen. And sometimes you can feel so behind the eight ball and like you're just so far gone. But it's amazing that the Lord can give you a restart and he can give you a, a fresh start in your family and he can redeem. Right. What's the gospel if he can't redeem where we're at in our lives and maybe even the mess that we've made of things, which is really what Eric and Susan were so instrumental in our lives in that time. So it was awesome. It was an awesome word. So, Thank you. Well, and you say they're instrumental, and you're going to be spending some time over the next several weeks talking about family, marriage, parenting, all the things. And so you talk about Eric and Susan, and it reminds me of the fact that what we see up here on stage week in and week out was not always the picture that you would get. And so um, we want to know a little bit more about you know, the pastor's life off the pulpit, um, kind of develop some street cred as to why you are qualified to be teaching on this content. And so, uh, Tony, I want to start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about the earlier years. It started when we were a mere fetus in the womb. <laughs> a little later than that. <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. Um, my first memory of Melissa, uh, I was actually about seven years old, believe it or not. Um, my family had moved to Lindell. Um, I was going into the second grade, and, and uh, I remember um, shortly after I stepped off the bus into this unknown world of Lindell Elementary School and kind of lost um, <laughs> in so many ways, <laughs> as you'll hear later probably, um, one of the first faces that I saw was Melissa. And, uh, and you know, at that time I was... Um, I had fever blisters. Anybody ever have fever blisters, especially maybe when you're kids and you couldn't control yourself? You're always biting and that makes them worse. And I literally had scabs, you know, because I would bite on my fever blisters. Anyway, I ran into Melissa and, uh, and you can tell this part, you know, if you want to. I think it's just hilarious that we both remember this as seven, eight-year-olds. Um, and I met, and you know, he was new. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, I get fever blisters too. And that was it. That's, That's a pickup line right there. Hey, I get fever blisters too. Yeah, so, I mean, we were, we were in school together since second grade, and we had a lot of classes together. We were in the same grade, um, had a lot of classes together. Um, we uh, eventually ended up riding the bus together. So even, even the way we got to school, a lot of times we were on the same bus and around the same people and, and uh learning the same probably inappropriate things that we shouldn't have learned on the bus together, you know. And, uh, but when we, um, you know, when we were in high school, um, it was just a lot, a lot different. I was lost. I uh, didn't know the Lord, and she did. And so we were really on separate sides of the track. But we ran track together. So that at one uh, season of the year, we were in close proximity. And uh, we used to run track together. And, um, but our senior year, um, she worked in the uh, library. You can tell, I can't remember why you were even up there. I was a library and assistant oh, my yeah. senior year. It was exciting. So actually I was the student council president and for some reason um, the librarian was a sponsor. And so every year, whoever was the president was the librarian assistant. And so it was a real sweet gig because I was the assistant during all three lunches, which means I was never in the library. I was just in all three lunches. And so, um, but occasionally the students would come from the cafeteria up to the library to read. <laughs> and um, really they were just coming to hang out and I would be up there at the station, you know, library station, getting to see everybody, being the social butterfly that I was. And um, Tony came walking towards me um, up to the library booth. I'm sure he was wanting to check out a really deep classic. Um, and. As he was walking towards me, you guys, it was, there's no other explanation except 
I feel like the Holy Spirit had me on autopilot and he's walking towards me and I, it's like, it's like a memory. I mean, it's like I could play this like a movie and I knew I was supposed to ask him to go to a revival with me that night. A revival. Have y'all ever been to a revival? Do they do revivals anymore? I'm a Pentecostal girl. <laughs> Grew up revivaling. Um, and so I was, my friends and I had gone the night before to this revival. And it was good, <laughs> you know. And so I wanted to go again. And Tony, I knew he was lost. I've known him since we were like seven, eight years old. I knew he needed Jesus. <laughs> But I also thought he was cute. So It was the mullet. I had a plan. You had a plan. So uh, I just said, hey, do you want to go to a revival with me tonight? And I know he didn't know what that was, but he said yes. What time did I pick you I up? I didn't. I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. If you're going to be there, <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> that was sort of our first date was a revival. As we're getting to the church, I started getting a little nervous because I was like, he's going to freak out. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We were, um, we were, um, remember I had no Jesus background, none whatsoever. So we're walking up to an R.W. Schambach revival at Rose Heights Church. And, uh, and it was slightly drizzling. I can Two remember. Two people knew who that was. <laughs> we were probably there together. Actually. We were in the balcony. Yes. Um, but we're walking up to it and, and she's kind of nervous and I noticed that and, and she says, hey, um, don't freak out if I raise my hands. And I was like, huh, I didn't know you could ask questions in church. <laughs> That's what I was like, man, if you got something you want to ask, just ask. I'm okay with that, you know. I don't know. So maybe we should fast forward. We're yeah, getting to the weeds. So yeah. Anyway, when it started, when bodies started hitting the floor, I was like, we should leave um, before we freak him out a little too much. So anyway, um, it was good. That was sort of his first. I'm like, okay, if he said yes to come into this revival, that's that's good. So we get some Taco Bell on the way home, and he asks me on a real date, and as they say, the rest is history, right? So we were 17. It was our senior year. And we started dating, and um, my youth group tried to do an intervention with me um, because I, he didn't know Jesus. So I don't know if y'all have ever had a youth group intervention, but they're fun. So, But I saw something in him, and that sort of came back to bite us later, fast forward, when we're youth pastors for seven years, and these girls are crying in our office wanting to date these lost boys. And they say, but it worked for you. <laughs> you know, And I'm like, grace of God, sister, grace of God. So anyway... Um, yeah, the rest was rest was history. Hey, real quick, I got to yeah. tell our second date story. Can I tell you that story? Yes. We're eating at um, Bennigan's, and she had something. I had a Monte Cristo because that's what I always got. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, man. Don't you wish they'd bring those back? Yes. So we're sitting there after after we eat, and we're, we're just talking. And you know how, like, after you eat, you got stuff in your teeth. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of listening to her I could listen all day I was just like mm -hmm. cleaning my teeth and something something a little chunky was in there and I got it out and I went and this chunk of food like slow motion came straight at me and landed in my mouth <laughs> and I was like Ugh! did you just spit that? And he said, did that land in your mouth? And I was like, yeah, that's so gross. And we lost it. We, it was, we lost it. I consider that our first kiss. <laughs> that stays here though, okay? <laughs> what happens at Soma stays at Soma. So from fever blisters to Bennigan's, the rest is history pretty much. Um, I hear beyond this whole, uh, you know, first and second date, you have a pretty killer uh, proposal story. So I, I think we got to hear about that. It's unique. I don't know. You want to tell it? I'm just glad Instagram wasn't around. How many of you guys are glad that when you were teenagers there wasn't social media? We would have been arrested, I'm telling you. But, um, or in prison, you know, in prison something. But I'm, I'm grateful. You know, now I feel like there's so much pressure on relationships. I mean, kids can't even out, go to homecoming together without there being like this big proposal. I don't know if y'all have seen this has gotten really out of hand. I rebuke it. Um, 
and in wedding, all of it's just gotten so precious and overblown. It's so Pinterest and Instagram now. And um, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that back in 1993 that we were clueless. Like, you just ask somebody to marry you, right? But I think Tony thought he was going to get real creative. <laughs> and um, we, as he would said, we were in Lindell. And at that time, there was a Dairy Queen. That's about it. And um, he had called me on the way home. He had been working or at school, and we were both going to TJC. Called me on a payphone, okay, for cell phones, and said, Hey, I'm on my way home. Do you need anything? And I said, Yeah, I was studying for a final. And I said, um, Pick me up a chicken finger basket from Dairy Queen. And y'all know that's good, right? That toast and gravy. I mean, it's comfort food, and I needed it. And so I'm just at my mom's house studying, and he comes in with that chicken finger basket right around dusk. And, um, and he, he's acting weird. He's just acting weird. He won't, hand me the, he won't hand me the box. And I was, I was in some kind of test studying zone, so I didn't quite pick up on it at the time. He dims the lights. And I'm studying. Chicken finger basket's worth a light, baby. But I'm studying at the table. I didn't need dim light. And I'm all like, he is being so weird. My sister calls. She's being weird. And I was like, I got to go. And he was going, get off the phone. And I'm wanting my fries, you know, and my gravy. And anyway, so I sit back down at the table. He's on one knee, and which is a little weird. And he's like, do you need ketchup? And I'm like, I'm fine. And I open the box. And there's the black velvet ring box sitting inside the chicken finger basket for Derek. So she said yes? She did. She said, well, she actually said, you better be serious. Because I was like, who proposes in a chicken finger basket? <laughs> this better be legit. Y'all know he's a goofball because I was like, this could be anything yeah, inside yeah, yeah. this velvet box. Well, right my here. only regret in the whole situation is that um, the ring couldn't fit on a chicken finger. <laughs> they just were too big for that. But I thought, well, this is the next best thing. So anyway. Well, at least it wasn't in the gravy or she didn't eat it or something like that. You've hear, uh, heard of those stories. but So you guys have known each other a very long time and grew up together get engaged, you get married, um, like most couples, you have the rose-colored glasses, everything's going great, uh, eventually the honeymoon wears off, I know you mentioned earlier about Eric and Susan, tell us about um, just the tough season that you went through around the third, fourth year of your marriage, and just kind of explain a little bit more about that. Well, we did, um, our third year, we, we almost got a divorce, I mean, she had her bags packed, and I was like, see ya, you know, it was that, that, um, bad. Um, and, you know, um, there were a lot of things going on, but let me just say that a lot of what was going on is because we really, we really entered into our marriage covenant, um, broken, both of us broken, um, just things, um, you know, from my family's past, things from her family's past, the way we were raised, things we've experienced, things we've done, things done to us, um, even just levels of inappropriateness in our own relationship during our dating time. And, uh, you know, I think both of us thought, um, even on that note, that, that um, when we put a ring on it, that's going to cover all the guilt and shame and regret. And, and, and that's, I think that's what we thought. Even our own behavior at the time together, the inappropriate things, it, we're, we, we justified it. And, um, and, well, we're putting a ring on it. And so when we do... The, the forgiveness and all the goodies, all the things will come. But you guys, how many of you know that a, a ring doesn't cover the guilt and sin and the shame? That's not what covers um, those things. The blood of Jesus is what covers those things. And so, um, so we, you know, we went um, a couple of years without really ever acknowledging before the Lord or before each other um, the things in our lives that had we've experienced apart from each other, but then the things together, and we never repented. And, you know, if you're here and you're single, whether you've never been married yet or you um, have been married but, but maybe you've, you've, you're widowed or you've been divorced and you're going to maybe eventually engage in a relationship again, keep that in mind. A ring on the finger doesn't cover the sin and the guilt and the shame that happens during 
uh, during the off season, we'll call it that. Um, it's the blood of Jesus. So, and so my, my encouragement to anyone who is single is just stay pure. It'll, it'll really help you in the long run. First of all, stay pure and, uh, and, and count on Jesus and pray to Jesus and, and find someone to walk with you in community and accountability in that relationship. Uh, even if you're an adult, well, I've been married and I've done that. I've been there. I'm experiencing like <laughs> you're more vulnerable, actually. Find community. Find accountability. Uh, and we hadn't done that. And it caught up to us year three. Yeah. So year three, you guys, we, had, you know, we were both um, small town kids, graduated from Lindell, but we needed, we did what we could for school here. We both needed to move to the DFW area. We were married. I've been married a couple of years. I needed to finish my degree. He was going to go to Bible school. So he's in the middle of Bible school. But we were just such, we were so broken, as he said. We both came from broken homes. Um, we both come from divorced families and blended families. And so you don't realize, I don't think you fully realize um, what you're carrying into your family and into your marriage um, from that brokenness. And we'd never really had any kind of counseling um, we didn't really have any healing. And so we kind of carried that with us. So we're in this new environment in Dallas. Um, it was just total culture shock. We may as well have moved halfway around the world. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, moved, and it's been a complete culture shift for you. But we were not emotionally prepared to handle it. And then on top of that, we got busy being full-time students and working full-time. And we got out of fellowship with the Lord we got out of fellowship with the church. We stopped tithing. Like, I mean, everything stopped. Like, all the good that we needed in our life just stopped. And we just became one of those couples that was just in the, the, the kind of hamster wheel of just getting things done. And we didn't have spiritual community. Um, we didn't have anyone really speaking into our lives outside of family back home that's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's going on? We had... You know, one of my, my spiritual parents was like, hey, what do you guys need to separate with the intent to reconcile? Because they didn't think we needed a divorce. And we were on the fence back and forth on that, you know. And maybe you've walked through that in your life. Maybe you're at a season in your marriage where you're like, is this the inevitable end? Like, are we going to have to divorce? Like, I mean, we had reached that point. I mean, genuinely had reached that point. Fortunate we didn't have kids yet to drag through that too. Um, and so it was really just, um, the, you know, I personally, and this is maybe a story for another time, and some maybe heard this, I had, I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord in the middle of all that. Um, it would take the rest of the, of the time to share it, but I hope to share it someday again um, that really realigned me. And as Eric and Susan shared this past weekend, what seemed like a random chance phone call to an electronics company to send a tech out to fix their church piano led Tony into this little church on like a Friday, um, came home from work and he said, Hey, I think I found a church for us to visit. Cause at this point we had reconciled and we were determined not to be a statistic. And it was just, the, I'm telling you, it was the Holy spirit. It was the Holy spirit. We just were like, we're going to surrender to the Holy spirit. We're not going to be a statistic and we're going to walk in forgiveness and so we knew we needed to find a church. And he says, um, they were playing really good worship music. And, because he was at the office, you know, and in the, in the sanctuary. And they had banners on the wall. And they were the names of God, you know. So, like, I would, again, I was a Pentecostal girl in, in the 80s and 90s. You know, you wave those things. And so he was like, um, he was like, I think that'll be a good church for us, you know, because they had banners and good music. We visited that church. And it was, it was like coming home. And we were like, it's the, it's the best feeling. And, and now looking back over the next several years, we recognize as pastors, we want people to feel that. That church should feel like home, like the safest place you've ever been in your life. The love, the acceptance, the forgiveness. And really, they, they... Eric and Susan, but Grace Community walked us through healing and wholeness and modeled for us what health should look like. And we got launched into full-time ministry out of that church. So. That's good. And so, 
started off and you were about six to seven years without any kids and fast forward a little bit and now you've been married for 26 years you have four children been in ministry for over 20 years um, like any family like any married couple there's uh, <laughs> conflict and so uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, really specifically how did you learn to fight well in a healthy way uh, use gloves and a helmet man come on what do you <laughs> right we're going to be passing out some gloves and helmets for all you Married couples at the end of the service. No, you know, um, you don't mind me starting on this one, do you? Um, I always say, Melissa and I have done a lot of marriage counseling, and, and whenever I'm doing marriage counseling or premarital, premarital counseling, I always talk about how in every relationship, I mean, almost every time, there is a, um, a runner and a chaser. The runner is the person that needs time to process. Can you just give me a minute? Do we have to talk about this right now? And the chaser is like, yes, we do. We need to talk about this right now because they want to get it over with or they can't move on until it's, it's you know, worked out. Well, I am the chaser. I need to work it out. I need to talk it through right now. Melissa's like, give me some time. And that used to drive me crazy. And that, I mean, gosh, I, <laughs> early years of Tony and Melissa is me chasing Melissa around the house trying to solve the problems, you know, and, uh, it's crazy, crazy. One day, um, and we had uh, we had uh, at least one kid, I believe, Aiden, and he was probably asleep. And but we were fighting about something. Who knows what we were fighting about? But it was it was a big deal. And uh, and we were relatively healthy at this point, but but still learning to fight and to fight fair and to fight righteously. But I was still a, a chaser, and she was still a runner. And so I chased her all over the house, and then she ends up in the kitchen at the kitchen sink. And I remember stopping. Oh, it I have to clarify real quick. I don't mean like dead sprint around the house. I don't know what you just. No, not like I don't that. know what you visualize just there in that moment, like that I'm like trying to get away from him. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm like running, and I'm like sweating and hot. Um, mainly just like I kept trying to just get him to shut up. Like if you'll give me a second, I didn't want to. I didn't want to, and maybe you are, maybe you are the one that's like, if you'll give me 30 minutes or if you'll just let me sleep on it, you know, I'll wake up happy tomorrow, I promise. Um, and that might be you. And I, and I just felt that I was like, man, I just, I really don't want to say the things that I have in my heart to say to him right now um, because they're going to be mean and I want to win this fight. We're both fighters anyway. And I was like, I want to win this fight and I know I will with my words and they'll be cutting and I just didn't want to say it. You know, I just didn't want to say the things that I was just new. And, you know, you know what I mean, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, ooh, I could say that. Take him down. Um, but I didn't want to. And so we had this, I went to the kitchen sink, and I needed to wash some dishes. Some of you guys that have journeyed with us for a while know this story, but my back was to him. I'm at the sink, and I felt him. He was probably, you know, five or six feet behind me, and he had chased me to the kitchen wanting to just resolve this thing. And I was just like, Lord, I'm washing this mug. I have Fiesta wear. That's, I just wanted that's a preface that, okay, heavy, this heavy mug. And I'm washing it, and he he's standing behind me. I can feel him just kind of breathing. He's there. And I was like, Lord, please, please make him walk away from this fight. Please, I, I just, I'm going to throw this mug. I'm going to hit him right between the eyes. I got a good aim. Played softball for years. I'm like, it's going to hit him. It's going to break his nose. I mean, I'm like having this dialogue with the Lord <laughs> at the sink because I'm like, it's going to go down right here if he does not back off. And, and so I'm, I have the mug gripped, and he walked away. And something in, I mean, I'm telling you, in that moment that, that he was willing to walk away and that I knew that I, I could just take a breather, um, we started fighting differently from then. From then on, it was really cool. Um, and so we kind of learned some some habits and good ways to fight fighting well. Yeah, and, you know, um, one of the things, just uh, we we'll, may talk about some of this in coming weeks, but um, we also, one of the things that we um, really, from the beginning, um, and even when we weren't, the healthiest in our fighting, um, we chose to never fight in front of our kids. To never fight in front of our kids. Um, now, there were disagreements they would have. I remember one time um, we were in a disagreement about something, and it could have been classified as a, as a fight, I suppose. But we were disagreeing, but it was just conversational disagreement. And I can't remember which kid it was. It was either Aiden or Cannon, or one of our boys. 
just kind of stopped and said, hey, are y'all fighting? And we're like, yes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and we finished up the conversation or whatever, but, um, but we just never fought or yelled or, um, or did those things in front of our kids. And I, hopefully that's one thing they won't need counseling for when they're in their, you know, adulthood. So we had made that commitment. Um, that was one of the disciplines that we had made, um, is that we just didn't want to yell. Um, at each other in front of our kids. Now, that doesn't mean we're not behind closed doors hissing. Um, I don't know if as couples you've ever done that. You know, you can, you can, you can get loud with a hiss. I don't know if you've ever loud whispered. I don't know, maybe I'm not in the right place, but maybe y'all don't fight at all as couples. But we sure can get talking to each other behind closed doors. Um, I think another thing that, that we learned over the years of just conflict and um, raising kids, having four kids, we raised really strong-willed. Well, we were given strong-willed children, and we, the Lord helped us raise our strong-willed children um, that are very verbal and know how to talk, think, you know, talk and speak their mind. And and really, I think a great habit, a great principle. You know, before Paul ever tells wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to love their wives. Before that is verse 21 in Ephesians, and he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because we're brothers and sisters first. And, you know, I'll be getting to that in some teachings later, but that when you can stop and in kindness, I think Romans 12 says, prefer one another. That's an incredible habit. You can start now, even if you've blown it, and you've fought in front of your kids, even if you've blown it, and you're like, we have not handled things well. Like, you can start right now with the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives to just prefer one another. out of. Re- you can submit to one another out of reverence for Christ first. So when I stopped and was like, you know what? I'm not just fighting Tony who's representing hurts and fears in my life right now. I'm having a conversation with a brother in Christ and I'm supposed to prefer him and be humble towards him and be kind and, and show preference to him. And we figured out if I'm preferring him and he's preferring me, then neither of us have to fight for our needs to be met. So it's like, I'm going to prefer him. He's going to prefer me that it's not, that's not foolproof, you know, cause flesh can rise up sometimes. But in the end, I just look at him and I think before he's my husband, he's my brother in Christ. He, he deserves my kindness and preferential treatment. I want to put him first. And it's amazing. And if he does that for me, it's amazing how in sync you can get. It's pretty, it, it's actually it's such an oversimplification, but it, it will revolutionize relationships in your life. Not just marriages. I'm talking about between like your parents and siblings and coworkers, like to just give preferential treatment and to consider them. It's pretty powerful. And I'll say this, I'll add this one more thing. Um, when you start practicing that, and, you know, just like anything, practice makes perfect. The more you do something, the more you practice, the better you get at it. And, uh, man, it, fights and arguments are pretty few and far between. Uh, and they have been for a while. You know, we, we, we recently had a little spat, and I was like, oh, yeah. It was like a muscle. We hadn't exercised in a while. I was like, kind of felt good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, but uh, I'm kidding. But when you practice those things, you'll find that, you know, all those fights and all those fits that you used to throw, those days, they just kind of disappear. And they're just, now they're just kind of funny, funny memories. That's good. Just walking away with preferring one another would be enough homework for every relationship for the rest of the rest of the year, really. Um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier that you've done some premarital counseling. You've actually done this for now almost two decades. Um, there's something that you refer to as the four F's. You want to share about that a little bit? Um, we have done a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of premarital counseling. Um, we've, we've done premarital counseling. We've done counseling with people that have been married for 20 and 30 years. We've really probably seen and heard just about everything, every scenario. Um, um, so yeah, when we were doing premarital counseling, um, actually with Sean and Katora. So, um, Sean is one of our elders here 
Keturah is uh, our youth director. And we were actually doing their premarital counseling. And, um, and sometime after, I think even after they were married, um, I think it was either all four of us or maybe Sean was talking to me. And he said, yeah, you know, premarital counseling. Of course, Sean is a, um, in the LPC. He's a licensed professional counselor. So maybe he just picked up on this. But he said, you know, in your counseling, um, you have four topics. I go, oh, yeah? He goes, yes, four topics. I was like, okay. He said, and, and they all start with F. I go, really? He said, yes. He said, you talk about family? I said, yeah. And he said, you talk about fears? I said, oh, yeah. He said, you talk about finances? I said, yes. And then I was kind of like, where are you going with this? Because we also talk about, you know, intimacy and things like that. I'm like, Sean, I don't know if I like where this is going, bro. You know, just to be honest, it was house of the Lord. But hey, I just, just telling you. He goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how to, how to word that. And so I'll show you the rest of the, spare you the rest of the details. But we settled on fun, all things fun. And so, but those are the. Sean f- recommended fornication, and we were like. We were like, that's a good F word, but not the one we're looking not, for. So we one. just thought fun would be a better word. Yeah, we're like, no. There were other options, and they were all made you kind of go, ooh, so no. Um, but those are the four things that we, that we, um, that we talk about, and, and really all other topics hang on one of those four things. We talk about family. Uh, we just kind of dig into how were you raised? How were you raised? And one of the questions I ask in, in one of our first sessions is, what did you love about your childhood and your family experience that you want to bring into your marriage and family? But on the other side of the coin, what, what is something that you really did not like or that you regret or you hated about your upbringing or what you were modeled that you do not want to bring into your marriage? It's an amazing exercise, um, and a lot of times through that you could you could see the points of potential conflict. You can you can you can identify the future red flags, and so we're able to talk about those and say, "Hey, you're going to need to watch this," or whenever she says this, or whenever he acts like that, you're going to need to watch that because that's going to that's going to remind you of your father or your mother or or whatever. And so we talk about family, and, and this, it's a big conversation, lots of things. We talk about fears, um, things in your life that, um, that, and I'm not talking about arachnophobia or, you know, I'm scared of spiders, I'm scared of the dark, unless that's an issue. <laughs> it has been, actually. One time there's one person that was really scared of the dark. We had to work through that, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's things usually from your family, from your upbringing that have produced um, um, life affecting fears, like crippling fears. There, sometimes it's fe- a fear of loss. It's a fear of failure. It's a fear, fear, a husband's fear that I won't be able to provide. Uh, a, a wife's fear that the husband will um, leave her or cheat on her. Or and, there, and you can imagine the gamut of things that our experiences, mostly what we've seen and what we've witnessed in our own upbringing produce us, uh, produce in us in the realm of fears. And so we talk about those and it's, it's just fascinating. We talk about finances, um, and that's always a, a great conversation, but, um, if they have no idea about budgeting, we talk about budgeting and I help them put a, a budget together based upon where they're at financially, how they're going into marriage. And then we talk about, um, all things fun. We talk about intimacy and, uh, and sometimes there's interesting connections back to family, into fears, into upbringing, and so most of the time, it uh, it comes back around full circle because, you know, the last twenty to thirty years, um, the culture is more and more and more exposed to um, inappropriate things, and it affects our lives. It affects our marriage. So those are those are the four Fs that you were talking about. I want to interject real quick. When Tony and I got engaged, um, we were attending a church in Lindale, and um, my, my spiritual father was going to marry us, but we went to the pastor to ask for um, premarital counseling, and we sat down with him 
and we didn't really know him that well, and he didn't know us that well, but he just kind of asked us a few questions about, you know, what we liked, what our passions were, how we met, all these things. And he says, you guys will be fine. And um, He said, you, oh, I can tell you, y'all love each other. You guys are going to be fine. I mean, the whole session was about it. You know what we I mean? Like, we, we were burning with passion. Yes, that know? wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. Um, we, wish, we wish someone had dug a little deeper and that had asked us some questions and just said, hey, you just want to tell you you got a red flag right there. You're living in fear or because of the brokenness of your own home, um, you're carrying that in. And you're going to hold him responsible for that. I just wish someone had said that, right? And so when fast forward three years when we're nearly divorcing and we're finally getting counseling and we're discovering these things and we just said, you know what? We're never going to not ask. If the Lord brings people into our lives and any sphere of influence, we're going to ask those hard questions and just say, hey, What's going on? You know, have you dealt with this? If we could spare someone what we went through, why wouldn't we do that? And just just some healing. It's not as hard as you think. It just takes getting honest before the Lord. Isn't that what James said? You know, you confess your sins one another, pray for each other and be healed. I mean, that's what counseling essentially is when you're doing it through a biblical worldview and what the word says and it's never too late for counseling either. And I want to encourage you guys on that. You might be in a real struggle in your life, whether you're single, uh, divorced, widowed, um, in marriage. It's never too late. Get counseling. Get help. It's a great thing to do. It is a biblical thing to do, to talk out, to talk these things out, right? Can I add something else to that? Um, one of the things that I talk about, and I hope this is helpful for anybody in the room, um, whether you're married or you might even currently be single, again, you you are um, you've never been married or you've been married, divorced, widowed, whatever. Um, one of the things I, I talk about are the four hurdles in marriage, and um, I, I just kind of felt prompted to share that the four hurdles that you that are pretty natural um, to have to jump over or that you'll hit in marriages. One of them is uh, the male and female difference. I mean, guys and girls are just really different. Anybody picked up on that? <laughs> You know, I'm not just talking about the, you know, physical and anatomy and all that. I'm talking about mental, emotional. Men and women are different. I mean, there is enough to work on and figure out in that one hurdle, right? And so we have. I mean, it took me a while. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that that's what girls were all about. I'm sure she thought the same thing. Um, so that's one hurdle. Another one is personalities. I mean, it's that simple. There's a reason they say opposites attract. Because usually, you know, the, the personalities are, are so very different. And that's the thing that maybe brought you together, that magnetism whenever you were dating. But when you get married, all of a sudden it's like, ew, right? And now that's a second hurdle. You've got to figure out how to respond to their high strungness or how to respond to their laid backness. And all of a sudden there's conflict there. It's a hurdle that you have to learn to work through. Um, a third thing is, let me just say it this way, is baggage. Jimmy Evans, who leads uh, Marriage Today, calls them hurt pockets. The things in our life that have wounded us, hurt us, and we've, we've, just, we've just put them in our pockets. We have hurt pockets. We have, we, you know, most of us call it baggage. Most of us, I would say all of us on some level, come into a marriage, into a family with baggage. Okay, And so we have to work through that. It's a hurdle. But here's what happens when you don't have community, accountability, maybe even counseling going into marriage. When you don't have that, you, you haven't been told that you even need to work through those three hurdles. And because you haven't worked through them and you've just tried to plow right through them, what happens is a fourth category arises. And that's the baggage we acquire along the way. How I've treated her for 5, 10, 20 years. How she's treated me for 5, 10, 20 years. Um, we've learned to treat each other a certain way. We've taught each other how to treat us. And we've learned a rhythm in our marriage, in our family, that's unhealthy. And so usually whenever I would be counseling with someone 10, 20 years um, being married, um, the issues, the core of the issues are, honestly, male-female differences personality differences or working through some baggage. Those are the issues, but we can't even get to those because of how much time we're having to spend fighting and recounting all the ways that we have given each other baggage. 
And a lot of couples aren't able to get to the healing they need in areas one, two, and three because of how they just can't get past the bag. What she, she always, uh, she's never done this or she's never allowed me to, or he won't ever do this and he'll never change. But that's not true. God is a God who redeems and restores and reconciles and changes. So anyway, I don't know if that encourages you guys um, or anyone in this room, but, um, but that's one of the things I talk about as well. And I think it's real. I want to encourage you guys with this to um, a game changer in our marriage. Um, like Joe said, I'm trying to establish some street cred here with you guys that we don't have it all together. Or, you know, we're not you know, mannequins up here on the stage. We have real lives, real hurts, real issues. Um, but when I stopped and recognized, he was talking about those four hurdles, that um, I, here's what the Lord told me, let Tony off the hook and you deal with what you need to deal with. And I'm like, I'll do it. And I was like, I'm tired of holding him responsible for how I'm feeling and my hurts. And so when I decided, you know what, Lord, you heal me and you deal with him. Um, and he prayed the same. It was amazing what happened. I stopped holding him responsible for all my hurts and pains and whatever. And I just said, hey, deal with me. Because you know what? When we stand before the Lord, I'm not standing behind him in my wedding dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? And being like, he did it. You know, um, I stand before the Lord and as, as me, you know. And so I'm accountable to him and, and what, you know my healing and, and, and the wholeness of my heart. And so I want to encourage you guys that in any relationship, it does not have to just be about marriage in any relationship that you're in. If you're making the focal point, their issue and not your healing, then you're just going to struggle, struggle, struggle. And it's never going to reach the health that you're wishing it would reach, but you're constantly sabotaging it <laughs> because you're like, they need to fix their problem. But it's like, Lord, you know, fix me, work on me. You work on them. I work on me. We'll come together, make the magic. It's good. I just had a I just had a word for for someone. Um, I just to feel like the Lord is saying something, and and it's for someone here. Um, and I got a picture of of um, a couple, and, and you know they make movies about this kind of stuff, so it's not hard to picture this. But I, I kind of got a, a picture of uh, a couple, a man and a woman, not particular faces, but male female that are literally are like roommates. They're existing in a marriage. Um, and, um, and everybody knows it. They know it. Their kids knows it, know it. Um, and maybe not the outside world, those outside the home, but it's very obvious that something's up in the home and, and you're just existing. You, you, don't, um, you don't talk together. Maybe you sleep together, but you're not intimate together. Um, it, there's, it's just a massive chasm in your relationship. And I just felt like... Um, the Lord said, I can restore that. I can heal that. Yeah. And you think it, it'll take 20 years to heal, but I'm telling you, I can heal it in 20 minutes. Right. If you will submit that and, and look to me as your source of hope, strength, comfort. So I don't know who that's for, but I really felt like sharing that. Oh, that's good. Well, uh, this has been super helpful, even just for me listening, and I'm sure everyone else has gotten a lot out of it tonight. Um, as we kind of wrap up and close down, you know, in the four Fs is family, and obviously the, the title of the series is the fight for the family. Um, we've been saying, and we want to reiterate, that this series is for everyone because family is uh, husband and wife, brother, sister, sons, daughters, it's in-laws, it's extended family cousins, and so... As we look to get into this series further uh, and close up, just give us, you know, maybe one or two quick bullet points um, just to kind of whet our appetite for what to expect. I think, um, you know, definitely we want to talk about parenting things because um, there's your marriage and relationships before you had kids, right? <laughs> and then you have kids. <laughs> and it's just a total game changer. So um, definitely, you know, want to talk about that and the realities of parenting and raising kids in this age, right? Like, how do you do this and do this well? Um, how do you find redemption and restoration when you haven't done it well? You know, these realignments that you need to do in your family sometimes, we have to do that a lot. Um, but for me personally, what I'm super excited about um, is just the role as a woman. Like, what does that mean to be truly be a woman? I just think it's gotten so distorted um, and femininity has gotten distorted. Um, I think just uh, 
somehow the culture's wanting to homogenize, like just make us all look the same, be the same. And there's just such beauty and uniqueness in our genders as male and female, the way God created us, right, in his image. And so I'm super excited to teach about that as what it, what it really means to be a woman. It's not just my identity as a wife, as a mother, but I'm also a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I'm a coworker, you know, and what does that mean? What does that mean for us? And to really take what the word says about us as women, not what the world says, but what the word says and our value and our worth and the power of the word help meet. And what that really means, right? I mean, it's, it, oh, I'm going to start preaching. Anyway, it's good. I'm super excited about that. So that wasn't succinct, but okay. That works. You know, I think for me, um, um, in counseling with couples um, or premarital counsel, counseling or just in conversation in general, one of the things that always comes up, usually from the wife, well, usually the wife will say, I just want him to lead me. I just want him to, to be the spiritual leader of the house. I just want him to lead me. And I look at the husband like, what's up? You know, what do you think about that? I want to. I want to. But nine times out of ten, he's like, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. And that should not surprise us. Um, this is very much a fatherless generation. We haven't been modeled well what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a father, those things. Um, and a man in general, again, gender and stuff has just been really um, tweaked by our culture. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited about sharing towards some of that. And I always say that um, there's, there's information and there's application. And so I'm looking forward to giving some information on that and some uh, practical application. But man, let me tell you where my prayer is for the men of uh, Soma Church and, and anybody that you bring that you feel like needs to be a part of this and being encouraged, uh, encouraged by this, I'm praying for revelation. Because without revelation, the information is not going to stick and the apl application is not going to be motivated. So I'm asking the Lord personally that he would change our hearts as men, that we would be so motivated to be men of God. You hear what I'm saying? That we would be men of excellence. We would be um, strong husbands and godly fathers. None of us are going to be perfect husbands, perfect fathers. But we can be godly. And we can establish a godly government in our home. And in the next half of our life, if you've been, if you've been alive 30 years, or, you know, the next 30 can be healthy and good. If you've been married for 30 years, the next 30, and you feel like the previous 30 have been rough, the next 30 can be amazing. And so I'm looking forward to um, speaking to men um, and just encouraging them, you know, more stories, more information, biblical concepts, um, practical application. Awesome. Who's excited? Looking forward to it. So we are going to close up uh, with actually my favorite last section, and it's what I'm calling lightning round. I have five questions I have not told Tony and Melissa about. And so they get to answer them and the rules to play. Um, I ask the question, answer as quickly as possible, and they're either going to be a Tony or Melissa answer. And I want you both to answer because I want to see how close in alignment you guys are. So, so we both answer? Okay. You'll see. Okay. You, you'll see. So, okay, ready? First question, who's messier? Tony. Tony, okay. Who's funnier? Me. Believe it or not. Who, well, you'd like to think that you, I, I got you, I got you. Who is the hopeless romantic? Chicken finger boy? <laughs> yeah. Come on now. That was romantic. It was greasy. <laughs> All right. Now, who is the nicest in the morning? She is. Pre or post coffee? I, I was going to say him. You were? Yeah. I love you. <laughs> because I don't know that we're either super nice in the morning. Yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. Kind of. We're like, hey. Maybe so we're like, equal. Just pause until the coffee's made, and we'll go from there. And so this one is a popular one in my household. I relinquished the title to this, but I'm curious for you guys, who is the better person with directions? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. He's okay. impaired. I'm way too ADD. I'm Full with you. I'm navigational with you. impairment. Yeah. Like... 
I don't even Are try anymore. Are you going to ask anymore, about so. pet peeves? Because we could lead right into Hey, that I mean, bonus, bonus round, pet okay. peeves. It there could lead go. to a fight that we could work out in a healthy way right before your eyes. How much time do we have still? <laughs> Four minutes. Ish. What else you got? No, those are the... So you guys are officially off the hot seat. That's it. Oh, You're good. That's it? Yeah, that's oh, it. Okay. Okay. We'll save it for next time, I guess. So we're going to... Um, I'll get up and share a little bit of information about next steps and everything like that. Um, after the service, Antonio and Melissa will close us in prayer. Um, but just want to remind you about the questions um, now through the end of next week. Get them in. Ask as many as you can. Um, again, remember you can push them up if you like one of the questions you want to see it answered more and we'll do our best to get them wrapped into the content and address them as specifically as possible um, and it's just going to be a fun way to hear from you hear what's on your heart um, and again remember the couples encounter that's coming up in November another time of extended um, just worship and ministry and awesome time together and so with that I'll leave it to you guys to close us in prayer awesome um, I want to pray for the men and I know that Melissa wants to pray for the women um, Y'all look at me real quick, though, before we before we pray. Um, this is going to be, I believe, an impactful month. And uh, I, I would really encourage you to clear your calendar for the night of the couple's encounter. Um, it's going to be powerful, I believe, in a lot of ways. Um, but here's what I want you to um, um, begin asking yourself, because it really does start here. It's like, what do you want? What do you want? What kind of man, husband, father, do you want to be? What kind of wife, um, mother, woman of God do you want to be? And a lot of times I start off with that in counseling. It's like, especially if they're coming for counseling, counseling. I ask them, what do you want? And most of the time it's, I want to be, you know, whatever it is. I want to be a godly wife, husband. I want this. And there's this fascinating and beautiful vision that they have for their family, but they've just never thought about it. And they've never asked themselves what they want. And so I'm asking you, what, where are you at? What do you, what do you want? And if you want something different, if you want something um, greater in your family, in your, in your marriage, uh, in your life as a man, in your life as a woman, um, express that to the Lord and begin asking. And I think uh, anything that we have to offer uh, in these um, Saturday nights and Sunday mornings or the couple's encounter, I think that's just going to be in addition to what God's going to do through your prayers. Amen. So, Lord, I pray right now for every man that's in this room. And Lord, we know it's your heart that we be leaders. That we lead our wives, our kids, our families. Lord, our, um, even in our work, our realms of influence, that you would love for us to be influencers, influencing people towards you, towards your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for everyone that is here, everyone who's... Um, going to be here in the morning for those who may catch this um, online one way or the other that their um, prayers would be heard by you, answered by you and you would begin empowering them even now to begin taking steps in a different direction, a better direction and thank you that you are faithful to finish what you've started Lord and I pray that faithfulness over every man and in every man. Faithfulness. You know, you guys, when you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, even if you're fully aware of your failures, of your shortcomings, of the work that you have to do in your marriage, in your relationships, and you're thinking to yourself, I've got so far to go. When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, do you know that you're living your best life now? Like you can be living your best life now. It doesn't have to be when I fix this or when he does that or when we get this debt paid off or when I finish college or when I meet my wife. 
When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, you're living your best life now. And he's going to walk you through healing. And he's going to walk you through discovering your gifts and your talents and your purposes. And he's going to navigate you through those broken places that maybe you hadn't thought about. So be encouraged, you know, not just, not, I know I'm supposed to be talking to the women. I want to talk to everyone. Be encouraged that your best life is now. It doesn't have to be later. It doesn't even have to be at the end of this series. It can be right now because we're submitted to the Holy Spirit and he's empowering us, right? His, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And he's just going to walk us through with his grace and with his power to live this out well. Amen. All right, so I'll pray for the women. Lord, thank you for the uniqueness of women and the call of God on our lives. Lord, to be so unique and to be so filled with your power and your grace, to be the nurturers, but Lord, in creative ways, Lord, in these unique expressions that you've given us in our giftings, Lord, and, and our passions. So, Lord, I pray that over every woman, from the youngest girl in this room to our oldest matriarch, God, just a, a sense of passion for how you've made us. The world is trying to take our uniqueness away, but we are so divinely cool. And, and, and so, so full of potential and power, Lord, to impact the world around us in ways that we have yet to even see or imagine. So, Lord, I pray divine destiny right now over every heart in this room. But for these women that may be trying to figure out who they are or what they're supposed to be about, it's not about our title as wife or mother or sister, but it's about being your daughter, about being made in your image as a woman of God. Lord, we pray for discovery in that, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live these lives for you. I pray for our lives, our best lives to be now, because we're submitted to you, and you love us, and you want us to have life and life to the fullest. We receive that blessing from you right now. Life, life to the fullest, starting now. And Lord, I'm thankful that your word says that you do not despise small beginnings, but you delight that the work began. So right now, I just feel the Lord is saying the work has begun. You're rejoicing over just the, even the choice that people are making in their hearts and minds that, Lord, I want to live my life submitted to you. You're going to work in that in what that seemingly small decision that we just made to be surrendered to you, it's going to blow our minds immeasurably more than we could think or ask in Jesus' name. Amen.